0: Hi, welcome to The Playful Musician. I'm your host, Steve Davidson. Each week, I sit down with musicians from all different paths, from composers to conductors, percussionists to piccolo players, to tease out their strategies, practice habits, tips, tools, tricks, routines, and how they keep all of it playful. The Playful Musician is an intimate look into the lives of each musician, how they got to where they are, what motivates and inspires them, and what playing music means to them. If you'd like to learn more about the guests or just more about being playful, head on over to the website, theplayfulmusician.com. There you can find show notes, links to all references mentioned in the show, and all kinds of resources related to music. Thank you for listening. And please subscribe to The Playful Musician on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And while you're at it, why not leave a review as well? Thanks again and without further ado, here is this week's episode. Hello everybody. Thanks for being here. This week's guest is my good friend Susan Mohini Kane. Susan is a professor of voice and opera and a professional classical singer. She teaches opera workshops, master classes, voice lessons, and opera training programs throughout the United States and internationally. Susan is hands down <laughs> one of the most playful people I know. She's so upbeat and innovative. She brings a ton of energy to all of her music. And in this conversation, we talk about her experience teaching workshops um, and, and working with prisoners at a maximum security prison, and how she embraces musical opportunity, during this unconventional time and the challenges of teaching online with platforms such as Zoom. Susan also shares her practice routine, her advice for young musicians and why singing matters so very much. I hope you enjoy this as much as I did. Here's my conversation with Susan Mohini-Kane. Thanks for being on the show, it's so awesome to see you i was trying to think about the last time i saw you i think you were up working on your book or you were up at um the green springs like sequestering yourself and doing some writing does that seem or was it were were we down in la i'm trying to remember the last time i saw you but i can't quite place it
1: up
2: there in ashland i love that place at green springs it was so fun up there and it's fun to see you guys
0: and yeah
2: yeah yeah Thanks for having me today.
0: This is awesome. Oh, yeah. Thank you. And, you know, it's called the playful musician. You're one of the most playful people I know. <laughs> like, you're so fun. I just love, I love, I've always loved that about you. Just the Aww. both you and Bernie, both you're just so fun. It's Thank always, you. always great. Thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, I wanted to talk. I mean, obviously. <clears throat> We're in unprecedented times, right? So not only <laughs> a pandemic, but racial thing. I mean, there's just so much we could we could talk about. but what I was um, what I was curious about is that one of the things you've really embraced is like seeing seeing opportunity, like like uncovering unique opportunities and even your approach it seems with your book and with your your master students is like okay well how do you create opportunity so i was hoping you could talk a little bit about that in regards to right now like mm-hmm. what opportunities what opportunities are you seeing for yourself or or for your students or in music in general
2: um i feel that this is a huge time for us all to take a giant leap forward in our own creativity and in service, especially in service.
1: Mm.
2: One of the things that we as musicians, you know, especially I've I've grown up in the classical tradition, and so we think we we need to use our skill to be in operas and symphony, ex, you know, experiences, concerts, and things like that as entertainment. And um, but I find that music is much more powerful than just what we get on the concert stage that if you can take it to people where they live and um, if you can use it in a different way, use your skills in different ways, then you can use music as service in so many different ways. So one of the things I've been doing during this time is I have a friend in Atlanta and she loves me to sing at her little church. And so she just said, Hey, could you sing a church on Sunday in Atlanta? And I'm here in Los Angeles. <laughs> So That's really kind of fun. It's kind of a new way of connecting that community now. I feel it's like my community. and mm-hmm. it's in and I feel like I can serve that community because I can um, accompany myself on piano and i can I've got the equipment to mm-hmm. be able to play
0: okay, so you were <laughs> you were talking about um your friend that you were doing church, the church in Atlanta, and you're singing for yeah.
2: her. yeah no, the, it's uh, I was saying that this is one of the opportunities of this time that she would yeah. never have asked me to sing at her church if it wasn't during this time because the church is all online right now and they need somebody who can accompany themselves. And sing stuff that, you know, I've been singing for churches since I was a kid. So it was, you know, it's easy to do it's a really nice way to help serve a community and get to know a community. And I got to, to yeah. their minister, you know, do her sermon. And, you know, it was really nice community to connect with. And so that's really nice. Um, another way that you, you had asked about things we could do right now that, that mm. are different um, one of the things is to connect with people musically and write songs. And that's been kind of fun because there's a little extra time. And um, I, have a, I have a colleague who actually, I was working in the uh, Cal, California prison system and oh, taking wow. my graduate students there to do some original music with them for their original play. Um, last
1: wow. Yeah, it
2: was a really amazing experience. Um, and I think all my students and I, our lives will never be the same after spending basically a whole semester going into that prison, working with those men. Um, Man. It was on maximum security and they were all on, they're called LWAPs, uh, life life without possibility of parole. And, mm. um, but because of the programs that my university is doing there, a few of the students that my students in the prison got their sentences commuted. And so one guy who was one of my colleagues there, who was working with us on the, on the music we did for the project, got out on 28th and then March 8th, Los Angeles locked down.
0: <laughs> oh no.
2: So this poor young man really wanted to make music. And so this is a good time then for me now, since he's out and I can, I can continue that work with him and we can write songs together. And we wrote the most beautiful poem together and mm. put it to music. And it was just like, that's something I never would have done without this time. You know, without him, you mm-hmm. know, I want to really support him being out and still having to be locked down, you know?
1: Right. Right. So those are
2: kind of some of the things. And then the other thing that I, I that I think is wonderful right now in the classical world, nobody Has nobody knows anything about technology? Nobody does (laughs) anything with Zoom. Nobody does anything like it. It is a one on one in the room kind of place. And of course, singing is not allowed in the same room right now because of the spitting,
0: (laughs) right? The spray, yeah, the spray.
2: And so, um, they're all learning, they're all having to do something that is going to make them better able to connect with more people after this is over. They'll mm. have a microphone. They'll have an idea of what what kind of software they want to use. They'll know how to do it. They'll know how to get their accompaniment in there. And, you know, and when this yeah. is over, they'll be able to start their YouTube channels or their entrepreneurial kind of projects out in the world. So I think this is a fantastic time for growth. If it wasn't for all mm. the people who are really hurting and suffering uh, yeah. right now, it might be a a really
0: lovely time for, for some. Yeah. What about locally? I mean, you're in, you're in LA ish. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What about what's, what's the feeling locally around music? I know some people are, I know some friends that are just like going out on their stoop or out on the sidewalk and sharing. Do you see Anything or hear much of that down in Los Angeles or Pasadena? Where well, you?
2: we we live up in the foothills, just above Pasadena in Altadena. It's a very small town, really up here now. And it's kind of a suburb of LA. It's really close to LA, but all sorts right. of wildlife and trees. It's wonderful. Um, we go for a walk every evening with our dog, and <laughs> the day we just heard some music, and we started following it. And there was a beautiful string trio in there dry,
1: mm. and we
2: just sat down with the dog and I almost cried. It was so beautiful just mm. to have these professional, they're, they're symphony giggers. We have a lot of musicians who live up
1: right? <laughs> right. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we were just doing that and now they're doing it every Sunday morning at 10 and people are just showing up and they close the street off and people sit in the street and listen. So oh. I think that's beautiful. We've I've seen several Front Porch concerts and I keep I keep threatening to do one.
1: (laughs) I haven't yet.
0: (laughs) It kind of reminds me, this is something that I've talked a lot about with other guests is that, you know, music, it's only recently that music has been this sort of thing that we do, that we study, that we go to school for, that we go to halls for, You know, it's like there's musicians and then there's everybody else, you know, and it didn't used to always be that way. Like music used to be something that we just did. Like we pulled out the guitar or sat around the piano and it kind of feels like some of that is coming back in this time.
2: Yeah, I think so. I think people are, everybody knows that this is a hugely stressful time and all of us who are musicians, I'm sure you felt this yourself, want to help. We yeah. want to do something, um, there's nothing much we can do except maybe make some music for people, and maybe give them a diversion for a moment or comfort them. Yeah. And I feel like that's happening so much. Even with me, I'm a I'm a classical singer, but I play ukulele, and I carry my <laughs> ukulele around with me. I just love it, and. Um, I also play, you know, piano and guitar, but ukulele is the one I love. That's where my heart is,
1: it's, mm. because
2: it's so easy to play. It's just fun, and you can accompany yeah. yourself without really working too hard at it. And I feel yeah. like that is something that I could just, you know, carry around with me, and we could just sit down and play and sing together.
0: Yeah, right. That's awesome. When did that start? When did you? When did your relationship with the ukulele begin?
2: (laughs) Well, I mean, talking about a playful musician, I had a dream. And in this dream, I showed up at this elementary school classroom and the chairs were all pushed back. And there was a band and I pulled out my ukulele and I played it with this band. Never had that experience before. life, still (laughs) haven't had that experience. But in the dream, I was so ecstatically happy. Stayed with me for weeks and weeks after the dream. And then I kind of showed up at Guitar Center to get some new strings for my guitar. And I saw this display of ukulele's. I'm like, did I (laughs) (laughs) And that was about five years ago, I guess. Yeah. So
0: Yeah. That's so fun. I love that. I love that. (laughs) Tell me more about this. I'm now I'm really curious about this this project with the prison. Like what were they, you were collaborating with the inmates to produce a play or they, they wrote music. Tell, tell us, tell me a little more about that.
2: Um, Yes. There, this is the California state prison in Lancaster and my, the school where I teach, which is Cal state Los Angeles has a program that goes back and forth. And so the, the head of their program asked if I would do some music and work with this other whole project that was going on at the prison, which is called Words Uncaged. And this mm. group of of inmates, um, I guess it was a core group of about five or six, and then there was a larger group of about forty um, who wrote, mm. kind of co-wrote a play of their experience growing up, going, you know, going through the holidays at their home as kids, and then going through school. And then um and then committing their crime and mm-hmm. going to jail and then their experiences in jail and then when they had that moment where they moved from shame and fear and anger to toward transformation, toward mm. and it was really um I got to be part of the working of the play. They took experiences from all the different guys of this group, of these forty forty men. And right. I would be the only woman sitting in the room there, with 40 inmates, <laughs> back from security prison, with no Wow. <laughs> Just me sitting there listening to story after story of really love in the form of, you know, I guess in a different form than I understand. Yeah. Like a father's love for his son by giving him a, a, a gun to protect the family. Like those are kind of these yeah. moments of love that when they were explaining them, you could really feel it. And the reason I was sitting in there was because my job was to then go back to my graduate class and they had put in music in different parts and they wanted to really get a feeling for what this person is going through in the play. And so we wrote original music or we arranged, um, we arranged songs that were in the world for our little group. And, mm-hmm. um, and then we went up and back to the prison every week or every week,
1: yeah.
2: And um, and then tried out stuff, and they'd say this works or that doesn't. It was a real workshop. And wow. one of the prisoners, the one that got out that I'm working with to write songs with, he had been writing songs for many years in prison. He was convicted when he was 17, and oh
0: my gosh.
1: he had
2: been in prison for 22 years, and said. So, in that wow. whole time, he got a guitar, and his guitar is just as tattooed as his body is. And he has this one book that has hundreds of songs that he's written in it. And it wow. was beautiful working with him because he could really write the song that could encapsulate the experience. But then with my students, I had um, I had a flute and, um, and a French horn and a violin. Guitar and a piano and uh three singers (laughs) wow (laughs) and another guitar who was the guy who played from the prison and we arranged all these pieces and then we performed them at the prison and all the women in my class got to play the women's parts in the play as well yeah it was really it was really quite uh Profound and just when you look at our prison system and you see, you know these kids that have been in there forever. Another guy yeah. got out recently. He was he was in there for you know thirty nine years and you know he's like,
1: holy, you God. know,
2: not very old. <laughs> it's like he went in at or something. And it's just, wow. uh, yeah, the prison system needs to change. And I, yeah. I went in there and saw it firsthand.
0: Yeah. That must have really impacted your students, uh, too, I would imagine.
2: Yeah. I think everybody then, we learned, you know, we learned that everybody experiences trauma. And if you have the tools to deal with trauma, you can get through it without committing a crime. <laughs>
1: but yeah.
2: if you don't, have your tools, <laughs> it's possible you're going to commit a crime. And then you, no matter what, we're pretty much all the same. It's just a matter of where you grow up if you have the tools. And I think they really got that, that similarity we've we've made friends and a lot about prison life I never understood before
0: (laughs) wow what an amazing experience that's that's really yeah that's amazing cool um you're teaching right now online right and how how is that how does that change teaching for you or does it is, is it, does it affect it in any profound way or is it just more, Oh, I just got to deal with the idiosyncrasies of technology. Like I'm just curious. I have been
2: teaching online for a long time. I, I I have students like in Denmark.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So you're ahead, you're ahead of the curve. Yeah.
2: But the thing that's wonderful now is that, Technology is changing. So we've been, I've been doing all my lessons on Zoom, you know, with my little microphone set up and all that kind of stuff, my little headphones. Um, Zoom is, mm-hmm. is got a huge lag to it, as you know. And so there's no synchronous teaching. So I've learned how to deal with that, you know, and that's no problem with my students who are from near and far. But, uh, but now there are, there are new things. Like I'm really excited about SoundJack. Have you heard about that?
0: Yeah, I have heard of that. Uh, I'm
2: just going to, I've got to download that and get an audio workstation. And now there's more things that you can do to make it. So I like to play the piano, play the exercises with the students. I can't do yeah. that on Zoom. Um, so I can just play it and then they respond back to me. Luckily, all my students are advanced students. I don't have right. any. You know, so which I mm-hmm. think it would be much harder for people who are teaching really beginners without having something that you can play. But yeah, there's also um, Jamulus, which apparently is supposed to be really good. So uh, Mm. in the next few weeks, I'm going to try to figure out which one is going to be best. I'm going to upgrade my game, you know?
0: (laughs) Cool. Yeah. It was just, I just saw, do you know who Christian McBride is? Yeah. So he, I saw him post something about this Jack tracks or something uh, and how, uh, it just reduces the latency, and they showed this this jazz pianist and a bass player in New York City. that were jamming together online, and it was there was virtually uh, no detectable latency, which was which was pretty cool. Yeah. That's exciting. Yeah, I,
2: I have a feeling by the end of the year, no one's going to be using Zoom anymore. Yeah, I mean, no one has to Zoom depended on.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But. But how do you um, like, I've, I haven't successfully, I haven't been able to successfully teach online because of the latency issues As I really, for, as a saxophonist, I have to, a lot of what I teach is by, uh, and I have young students. I don't have like <laughs> their beginners or, or pretty much beginners. So they have to, they have to really see, they have to emulate me on a lot. I mean, I, it's, what I find is like the experience of them actually hearing my sound and seeing what I do. Um, But I was curious, like subtleties, like are you able to like see how they're breathing or like, like triage their, their vocal core? Like I I'm guessing you can, but in some ways that seems like super challenging over this kind of format. At the
2: very beginning, I made a lot of mistakes. (laughs) <laughs> I feel like I've gotten better at it and I have figured out some of the ways to not make those kind of mistakes. But one time I just, I was only seeing the student from the waist up and I didn't notice that the student was not standing on, on her feet properly. She was on her heels all the time. And that's kind of a thing you wouldn't expect. Right? So I didn't know why she was feeling so off balance and so not grounded.
1: So I kept yeah. trying all these
2: other things to try to fix it. <laughs> and then I said, why don't you just step back and let me see your feet? And fix it right away.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. I mean,
2: those are the kind of things yeah. that you're just like, oh, well, if, I, if you're far enough away that I can see your feet, then I can't really see your jaw very well. Huh? Right. You know? And I need right. to see both of those things. And so generally, like I have that, I had that one student in Denmark who I had two lessons with her live in San Diego before we started working remotely.
1: remotely. In fact,
2: all my students that I work with remotely, I've had at least two lessons with them live so that I have a sound uh, basis. You know?
1: yeah, yeah. And
2: I can kind of translate what I hear because some of them are just on their phones.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's not ideal. I really don't. I
1: know,
2: and I don't think it's ideal for anybody. But, um,
1: yeah.
2: but you know, I don't know if it's better, like for the little ones, to just yeah. not have lessons until you can have lessons in person, or if it's better to yeah. do other things online together, talk about music, or listen to music, or play little games.
1: Yeah. You
2: know, I don't know. I don't. I don't have. I don't yeah. have to teach little ones that way. Thankfully. Yeah, but I have a lot of friends who do. Yeah, uh, and they've been using Zoom for their lessons as well. So, but they're using it like they're they're putting a PowerPoint on there, and also uh-huh. having the little the little thing in there, so they can play together, kind of to yeah. the music that's on the PowerPoint. I don't know. There's a lot. Yeah. For me, it's
0: what is? <laughs> yeah. What's going on with your university with with the college? Are you guys going to be in person or I'm? No. no, Cal
2: State system was the first system in the country to to decide way back that this was going to be all online in the fall, and they've also then extended it for next semester. Though they've they've kept a little caveat in there in case they decide to go back, but then they gave all of the Cal State faculty training on how to. do their classes properly online, which Mm. is
0: really nice. Yeah, that's cool. And here's Susan singing an original song of hers called It's All Right to Be Happy. You said that you've, I, I think I read a quote somewhere that you said you've always been singing. Was there a lot of singing and music in your house as a child when you grew up? Yes.
2: Uh, well, in my grandmother's house.
0: In your grandmother's <laughs> house. Okay.
2: <laughs> my grandmother is my my, um, my angel for music. She
0: played the mm. piano.
2: She played basically honky-tonk ragtime piano. <laughs> and she played for her children. And uh, she wrote little songs. And um, mm. and she encouraged me to take piano lessons with her. I took with her until I was in eighth grade. And, um, okay. So, yeah, she and I were really, really close with music. And then even when I then she made me go to another teacher, which I didn't plan <laughs> like, for me. And I'm like, that cannot be true. <laughs>
1: I wouldn't do it anymore. Right. But then
2: I had to go to another teacher, and then and then just in protest, I broke both my arms so that I wouldn't have to play piano anymore. <laughs> Not really; they did, but it wasn't for that reason. <laughs> wow.
1: For a while,
2: and then I became a real singer after that because um, I couldn't play piano for a while.
0: How old that were you? That was
2: uh, eighth grade. Okay. Eighth grade. I didn't like my piano teacher, so I immediately broke my arm. I was in sports, and so I broke one of my arms riding my bike or falling off my bike, and one of my arms trying to do hurdles for the track team and falling off, you know, tripping over her. Oh, my god! <laughs> so I didn't have to play piano for a while. Uh, but, uh, but, yeah, my grandma and I always sang together, and when I went to college in music, my grandma would make me sing arias at Christmas. Okay. Hmm. Before anybody could open any of their presents. <laughs> so, my poor cousins and my brothers and sisters did not like that.
0: <laughs> like, oh my God, could you hurry up so we could open our that presents?
2: always a really short aria, you know, just something like.
0: That. <laughs> sure.
1: <laughs>
2: do yeah. quantum and vote. I can do quantum and vote like in minutes, right. you know? <laughs>
0: <laughs> when did you, when was it apparent to you that? Like, okay, this is, this is my path. I'm, I'm going to be a musician. Like, was it that, that early? Like when you were in eighth grade or high school, when did it kind of solidify for you? I really
2: you? thought I was going to be a basketball player.
0: <laughs> wow.
2: <laughs> I really wanted to go to college in basketball, but I'll tell you how old I am. We were still playing half court in Iowa. Okay. Girl, for half court, two dribbles and pass. And so I had no. All the colleges were full court for women's teams, and so I really had no no chance of getting a scholarship mm. at it. Right. But, um, <laughs> so I went in music because that's the only other thing I could do. But I did have a lot of success in high school, and I had an amazing high school choir director, who's
1: mm. still in my
2: life. In fact, I'll have a meeting with him again tomorrow. We're doing a big project together, right now. Oh awesome. Yeah, and he, he was so influential in my life. And um and we did swing choir and I was one of the mm-hmm. soloists, one of three soloists, and I kept getting all these awards and going to Allstate. And so he really he really suggested that I go to a good music school. And mm-hmm. um and I
1: did.
0: <laughs> Where did you do your undergrad? University of Iowa. Okay. State Good music. Yeah, very playing.
2: good. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And what was your? Was that a big? Um, was that a difficult transition in terms of like how you practiced or your concept around your craft, your singing? Like, did you have really good teachers there at Iowa?
2: Um, it was a it was a huge change because I went from mostly singing pop music and church music to trying to learn classical music. And languages, you know, Italian, mm. French, and German. And yeah. I spoke French already from high school, but um, it was, yeah, it was a big transition. And because I hadn't really done any classical singing except in choir,
0: mm-hmm. I didn't get
2: the best teacher. Oh, no. And finally, I got better. <laughs> Yeah. And then I could ask for a better teacher. And so I did I did at the end I had an amazing teacher, Albert Gammon. He was a Basel Boko at the Met and a very tall, lanky fellow with <laughs> a big voice and big nose. And yeah, Hi. he'd say he'd say things like, You sound very peculiar today. And he'd say, <laughs> Have courage, Camille. And it was uh, he was a real character. He was a, but he was an amazing teacher and very loving person, and he really brought yeah. out the, my voice.
0: How did he do that? How did he bring out your voice?
2: Um, I think mostly it was just like by saying things like "have courage," and you know, by um, giving me pieces that I could do. This the teacher before had given me pieces that were too hard for me, and mm. I didn't have success at them. then he gave me pieces that were proper, and I started. Success and winning positions again, and you know that kind of thing. And he was also very, um, you know, back in those days, which you know I keep forgetting how old I am already. Back in those days, they weren't really gentle with you
0: in, in yeah. the
2: studios. I don't know if you had that experience.
0: Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah.
2: Hardcore learning. You know, and luckily the girls' bathroom was right across the hall from my voice studio. I would just run over there and cry after. A, Um, But it was good because he really taught me to be tough and he really taught me to take chances and um, to um, believe in myself. Eventually, (laughs) it took a little while. Right. If you you just stayed on me, eventually, you know, I would do it. Yeah. So.
0: Is that the main thing that you feel like you pass on from his lineage to your students? Is that believing in yourself and.
2: Yeah. Um, especially the young ones, the freshmen and sophomores, you know, they just don't, a lot of them coming from a pop background, going into a classical background like me. And it is like, you just, there's, I, I think I'm much more gentle teacher than he was, but I think the main thing I have from him is the real high standard. You know, mm. like you can do better. <laughs> you know, and in fact, He will be better right now. <laughs> <laughs> I did. You know, and so I do that with my students, but in a much, much more gentle fashion. Much, much more.
0: Right. Do you give your students um, a routine? Like, do you, how structured uh, do you, do you help them structure their, their practice time? And I'm sure for, I mean, I sang, this is, you probably don't know this about me, but I, I was a singer until I went to college. And then I started playing saxophone because it was way harder for me. But wow. I'm imagining that um, the practice routine of a vocalist is quite different than a practice routine for an instrumentalist. Uh,
2: it depends on the instrument. You know, <laughs> yeah. Practice as long as singers can practice. You know, but,
0: yeah.
2: um, but there, there is a timeline. Like I always call it like there's, you have a loaf of bread. And every time you make a noise, whether you're speaking or laughing or coughing, you slice a little bit more off that little of bread. You only get one every day. <laughs> if you sing really loud or make a loud sound, you cut a big, thick slice off. Or if you sing a, a soft song, you know, then you get a little right. thinner. So, um, yeah, you yeah. have to really be careful how you decide on how to use your voice because they all have diction class and song lit class. And opera rehearsal and choir rehearsal. So, you know, they could be singing four or five hours every day. And really, what's optimal is 90 minutes. Every <laughs> <laughs> as far as like full you know, out singing, you know, of course you can do that. Sure. And like when you're in better shape, you can do a lot longer than that for sure.
1: Sure. But for these, for sure. sort of
2: like the freshmen, sophomores, you really think 90 minutes of good practice. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I give them. They have exact exercises to do and time to do them, and tape to help them do them, and if a, a the right. model of what a successful a successful exercise sounds like and mm-hmm. that kind of.
0: Stuff. That's cool. How is your How is your practice changed? Like now, when you're getting ready for a gig, what's your preparation like now? And how has that changed over the years? You
2: mean since COVID or now like in my
1: life?
0: No, in your life, in your life. Like I know for me, uh, it's the way I practice now is vastly different from the way I practiced, even when I was an undergrad or even in grad school. Yeah. Um, I'm just wondering for you how it's changed Yeah. now.
2: So different, right? <laughs> Because I know my body, so I know when I come to the practice time if I need to warm up longer or shorter, I can tell. Yeah. I also know how to warm up for the piece that I'm working on. This is yeah, what I'm working on which I, before I would just have all these general warm ups that I was trying to you know build technique, right? Mm-hmm. So, but now when I'm practicing, it's really, um, I also besides just being more efficient, like we can be more efficient, <laughs> right? We know harder, right. And we know more. We have experience, but I also bring so much more joy and less <laughs> fear <peer. laughs> to my yeah. less anxiety. You know, be- mm-hmm. before practice, he was like, "I got gotta to do this for my teacher." and know, uh, I do this in front of my jury or do this in front of an audition.
1: Yeah. You know,
2: there's a lot of anxiety that would push me to practice really joylessly.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: <You know? laughs>
0: Yeah. No, I totally get it. (laughs) I think we, we miss that. You know, I always say we call it playing music. We don't call it working music. And that's one of my challenges. And that's part of what this podcast is all about is like, how do we keep it playful? Like as for me, it's, it's easier for myself, but like in teaching and with the students, it's funny because they're so serious. Like, they're like, want to get it right. And it's like, no, it's not about getting it right. It's like, <laughs> you know, uh, it's just funny how serious they can, especially the young ones. I'm not sure why they get so serious, but they do. And they're um, right. they just want to, they want to get it right. There's this mentality about give me the check Mark or the a or, or the gold star. And they have a hard time answering the question, like, "Well, what do you think? How do you think it sounds? Like, what sounds good to you?" You know, it's really tough for them.
2: Oh, absolutely! <laughs> you can't listen to yourself while you're singing or playing. You have to actually record yourself and <laughs> afterwards, and recording is always going to be a little bit funny too. I don't, have you yeah. ever heard of a guy named Benjamin Zander? He's kind of an older dude. He is a conductor for in Boston. He had mm. his own little symphony. Has his own symphony there, and he also was an adjunct or part-time professor at Boston University. Or Boston okay, I'm not sure which one. He wrote this book called The Art of Possibility, and one mm-hmm. of the things that he did, that he does with his students is mostly graduate students, of course, but is that he takes away the the grade and the comparison with other people by uh, with his grad students, he just gives them all an A and they all earn it, you know, as they do it, but without having to look like, am I better than this person? I better than that person. Sure. And that is taking everything out of this comparison and judgment and going toward possibility is kind of Mm. my latest thing (laughs) to try to do. You know, you try different (laughs) things and that, you know, you come across, but that's my latest thing is, if you know what's the possibility here what other ways could you do this that would feel better or what other ways could mm-hmm. you do this that would make you feel like, that that you make your tone so beautiful that you love it
1: and how right. could you
2: get through that breath in a different way you know just more like um playful playtime. time try yeah. it this way try it that way play with it Board, right. And I stopped modeling for my students a long time ago. I know you can't do that with the little ones. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. But I stopped modeling because they would just mimic. Yeah. And then they would feel like they had to sound like me, which you know
1: right. is weird
2: for a bass or a
1: baritone. I <laughs> don't <That always laughs> sound like
2: a soprano. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times they would sing in falsetto if I modeled. I'm like, no, no, no. I want you to sing in your. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's hilarious right?
2: it's just so much where they want to please you so i think that's a big part of it and that's one of the reasons i love the title of your podcast steve because a playful musician is the musician that is going to touch you so like yeah. for example i used to be very very um i was going to say ocd but i don't want to put down people who really have that that yeah. i was just very careful and, ve- and over practiced and over Mm-hmm. everything and was my attention to detail was just so much that I believe that my performance was stilted because of it. that mm, the perform the right. moment the reason for performing got lost and so like with this little Atlanta thing the other day they asked me to sing like Thursday on Sunday they wanted me to sing well it's fine I'm going to sing songs I wrote <laughs> <laughs> that right. I know and that are going to be like sing-alongs it's not going to be a problem but normally I would be like okay Thursday now I've got to go practice for two hours and I've got to go and do this. I didn't, didn't really practice for that gig. Ever. I didn't know what I was going to play for every night at like 10 o'clock. I didn't know for sure what right. I was going to play. And then even in the service, I changed the music a little because the sermon was powerful and I wanted to change the music. And I love mm. that playfulness. Like that yeah. you could be spontaneous and you could be able to respond to the moment.
0: I right. think when
2: you over practice or you overdo you, you you can't. And you you know, you also don't believe in yourself, and you don't believe in your skills. And you think there's one way that's right. So yeah. um it's a lot more fun being older and
0: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was that reminds me. I just watched this uh YouTube on the the making of Kinda Blue, the Miles Davis oh, album. I haven't seen it. And um they were saying how we're talking to all these musicians, John Schofield and Herbie Hancock and a bunch of people that have played with miles. And they were saying how one of the things miles liked to do was not rehearse like, and most of that, probably most people don't know this, but most of that album was first takes. Uh Like they just came in and played, but there's like, John Schofield was saying that there's a magic in that, that exploration, that first exploration, when you get a group of musicians together and you're like, here's what I'm thinking, here's what I'm thinking, kind of like to do this. Yeah, let's just play, right? Let's just play and see what happens. And then after that, that's when you started thinking, well, maybe we should do this or maybe we should do that. And then it it kind of, I'm not saying that you can't make good art out of it, but there is a, there is a magic to that first time, like what you're pointing to where you're, there's not a bunch of preparation in terms of like, I'm going to get this precise. I'm going to get precisely, you know, I've got this conception. I'm going to make it exactly this and just showing up in the moment and seeing what unfolds and like you did responding to the sermon like okay this is going this way i want to go that way and even in you know i even like that uh, martin Mike, who, um, who's the conductor of the rogue valley symphony here in his interview we were talking about that and he was he was saying how sometimes he gets so frustrated at the orchestra because they want to do it exactly the same as they rehearsed it instead of like we're in a different room. The vibe feels a little different. Maybe I want to slow down here. Maybe I want it a little louder here. You know, I just I love that aspect of like how we can explore. And that's that's another way I think about playing is like we're exploring. We're trying this out and and seeing what happens. And that's really it cool. is
2: really being present and being able to do that. It just reminded me of another story like that. There's a conductor named Claudio Abbado. Who is a pretty famous orchestra conductor and opera conductor. And I was lucky enough to be in the Chicago Symphony Chorus back in the day when I lived in Chicago. And we mm. were doing the Verdi Requiem with Claudio Obato conducting with the Chicago Symphony. And it was like one of the heightened experiences of my life. And
1: Claudio Obato
2: doesn't speak louder than this. He always speaks very, very quietly. And we have a whole 200 piece chorus in rehearsal and then of course the whole huge Verdi orchestra as well and he had this little guy next to him and he would just say to the guy all right put a rest in measure seven he'd go all right everybody do a rest in measure seven (laughs) and he never spoke up at all and I think that was by design because he wanted Mm. he didn't use a, a stick either he used this
0: Right, a baton.
2: And we performed that piece um, I think it was three nights in a row or something. It was the first time in my life I had experienced every measure being different than the night before. Wow. And us being able to do it. <sighs> you know, we just like, oh, that's just some sort of magic that he was able to produce by not ever yelling at us and by making us really focus on what his what his movements were. Oh. And Every night, it was so different, and that piece is already just heart wrenching, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, anyway. that's awesome. That's really awesome. So, you're in, you're in grad school. You're at Cincinnati Conservatory, and you decide to start your own theater.
2: <laughs> I did.
1: That's a company.
0: What was. Like, you're just creating your own opportunity again. Yeah. Is that right?
2: Yeah. That was my teacher, Barbara Hahn. She's also an excellent, amazing teacher. She's my Cincinnati Conservatory teacher. And mm. I was complaining because 32 sopranos had gotten gotten accepted into our program the same year. And I was one of the 32. <laughs> and there just aren't enough opera roles for 32 sopranos, <laughs> even for how right. many nun operas you do. <laughs> you know, operas <laughs> about nuns. Right. <laughs> so she said, "You okay? Quit complaining about it. Go and start your own company. Go and make your own experiences." And I mm.
0: did. Wow. How old were you? Late twenties. Wow. That's amazing.
2: Yeah, it was good experience.
0: You must had a lot of belief. In yourself as a young woman to just like charge forward you know that. they
2: said that in the papers they interviewed us a lot my partner and I doing this and they're like wow how much courage you have to start this company and have this I'm like I didn't think it was courageous I'd like it's we just not that bright <laughs> a little stupid and we had no idea what all was involved and um, but I learned a lot and we did we ended up doing four seasons or five seasons of shows really good shows before I decided to go uh, back to grad school, finish up.
0: Mm-hmm. And that was to get your DMA yeah. at that yeah. point. And what was your, what was your DMA emphasis?
2: vocal uh, performance. And okay. then they, you have to have another cognate, another minor field. And um, yeah. mine was women in music.
0: Mm. Nice. Yeah. Did you have to give, I didn't do a DMA. So did you have to, was there like final recitals and a paper and all that? Yeah,
2: We had, there were three recitals and um, we had this huge, the, the, the joke about Cincinnati conservatory, which is where I went, got my DMA is that in comparison with Juilliard is like, nobody can get into Juilliard, but everybody can get out. Uh, and just the opposite, like, Everyone could get into Cincinnati, but nobody can get out. And so of the 32 Sopranos that started um, in my master's degree, there are only three of us that graduated.
0: <laughs> oh, my gosh.
2: But in my doctorate, I had the three recitals, a traditional recital, a lecture recital, and a themed recital. And my themed recital was about um, women composers. Hmm. And then we had to have two exams, two, well, Lots of exams, like huge comprehensive.
1: Exams.
0: Right.
2: Uh, yeah. Because I still every now yeah. and then freak out, like I.
0: <laughs> I know it's still trauma from that. Uh, I'm sure.
2: But those are really hard, and then and then yeah. we had to write a book basically, which was our DMA thesis. Yeah. And mine was on um, Lisa Lehman, who was a soprano who also wrote songs.
0: Oh wow! And then did you did you get a after your DMA, did you already have a position? Did you get a position pretty quickly after that? Or? Uh,
2: well, it, yes. By today's standards, I got a position really, really quickly, like just a few months. Ended.
1: Oh, wow. But,
2: um, but, but I thought it took forever. <laughs> <laughs> and I just had to go to kind of a very small school in a small state. You know, Murray State University is a small school. And you know, mm-hmm. they say just get your foot in the door, you know, and then you can go. My After I – I was actually doing uh, my, I was working at Murray State while I was finishing my thesis. So mm-hmm. it took a while. And then they, then after I finished my thesis, then I started applying. And that very next year, I had five offers. And so it was, it was, I was very lucky. And today, nobody, if you get a DMA, you can't get a job. They don't hire them anymore. You can go seven, eight, 10 years and not get a job. today.
0: Yeah. So who 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 gets a DMA in vocal performance anymore? I know. Are there
2: Yeah, and there are still quite a few people that are getting DMAs in vocal performance. And you know, the year that I was looking, there were, as I recall, like forty-five soprano jobs open. I mean, how many sopranos are gonna retire? I was lucky. There were so many jobs open for sopranos. And since then, you know, I've been at my school where I am now just going into my 20th year. (laughs) I tried to move on to different schools and often, you know, you apply, everybody always applies all the time. And often there's like one soprano job open in a year or three. So once once the people get those jobs, man, they hang on to them.
0: (laughs) Of course they (laughs) do. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I, I wonder about the future of higher education, especially now with COVID and listening even what's going on here at our local, our small local college, like how yeah, just curious like what it what it's gonna look like in a few years from now. Me
2: too. I was just talking to my colleague about this. Like I feel that in classical music our curriculum is so outdated. You know, you're talking about racial, the racial reckoning that's been happening right now. And I'm, um, I'm devastated and really, really glad that it's making progress. But yeah, I just have to say that like, there is no equity in high school. Zero. In- no. There is no equity. And, it is yeah. there. There are no textbooks. If you wanted to try to do a textbook on classical music, but you won't get any people of color or women in that textbook. And it is, um, it's time. It's past time yeah. for all that to change. And but the old guard is still there, and um will be dying away before you know it. And I guess I should consider myself, <laughs> 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 but I hope that I can be a leader in changing some of. It.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure you will be. You're, you're a chain. I think you're a change agent. (laughs) So I I have faith. Um, Thanks, Steve. (laughs) One of the other phrases that, um, that I read, a quote of yours was uh, you were telling your student, I think you were, this was part of those master's, Uh, workshops with your grad students like put your dreams into action and I'm curious like practically what does that look like or how do you how do you guide a young musician that way like you know practically how do, do you help them like kind of see this those actionable steps to take
2: yes You're asking such great questions. Um, That's a great question. Um, um, Over the past few years, I've changed in the way I teach at the university. I've changed um, some of the repertoire requirements and I've changed some of the performance requirements so that Hmm. the students can see the value that they have in the community. And so um, my students have to perform off campus three times every semester. And I have a lot of community partners off campus, not just the prison, but also there's a homeless shelter that we often perform at. There's um, Academy of Special Dreams, which is um, uh, differently abled artists. And they have all these art openings they need music for. Mm. And uh, there are different different places like that that are, you know, nursing homes and things like that as well. But um, that, that my students then have to then organize themselves and have like set up a contract if it's just a verbal contract i'll be here at this time i'll sing for this long and um you know you'll give me cookies afterwards <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> right
2: or whatever it is. so they have a practical experience and then they have to before they go they have to write up what they need to do for it then they do the experience and they record it then they watch their recording and they evaluate it and reflect on it themselves and write up a little evaluation and then say what they want to do differently next time. Mm. And um, so they have to do that for three off-campus performances and for three on-campus performances. And so it is, um, they they have to work a lot harder than a lot of the people that are in just regular studios um, because they have to go out in the world and perform. They also can find their own community partners and their own places to Mm. sing if they want. And so they do that now as well. It's kind of a culture of that. You
1: know? right. And
2: I really want them to know that what they have is important for the mm. city of Los Angeles. They could can, can benefit from their skill or their churches mm. can benefit from their skill or, you know, uh, the art galleries and the museums and, you know, the places that need music can benefit. And then you start to recognize that you are... Um, that that you can actually um, make a difference in the world, and then you can start to ask for money for that. Right. And that you know, while they're going through that, I tell them they have to get ten thousand hours of performing before they start making very much money. <laughs> so,
0: yeah, the that's that's the like the Malcolm Gladwell. Yes.
2: It, yeah, right? exactly.
0: I'm gonna turn a light yes. on because it's getting dark. Turn Hang on. There.
2: What is that coming on you? <laughs>
0: I was trying to trying to do it with natural light, but it's getting dark. Um, do so? Do your students leave your studio, your master students, with the the hope and the dream that they're going to be able to make a living as a singer, or is it more an avocation? what what do, what do you what do you think about that it depends
2: that? on the student but um like yeah. my uh, my most recent graduate student is definitely making a living singing and um, awesome. and she will always because that's who she is she's not only really talented but she's a go getter right so she's making opportunities mm-hmm. all the time and she knows she's not going to just Perform professionally with the symphony And the operas but she's also gonna She has a website on vocal pedagogy And she teaches private lessons so What I teach my students are Streams of income (laughs) 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 Streams of income have to be you know being A walmart greeter well then that's The way that is (laughs) But not to ever lose track of The fact that you're trained in this and that you have Something to offer in the world and if you don't offer It you're being stingy you have to yeah. offer it no matter what. And and I believe even no matter what level you're at, you'll find somebody you can help. But yeah. if you're like, you know, some of my graduate students that are in vocal performance, I don't take them unless they're going to be performers. Gotcha. Right. But there are people yeah. who do their master's in arts, MA instead of an MM. And those they never mm-hmm. expect to be performers.
1: Right. They
2: expect to be educators or church musicians or, which is performers in my opinion. Yeah. And, um, or they like, they have also an MBA or they, you know, something. To yeah. that. Going to be there.
0: Sure. Sure. Let's listen to Susan singing one of my most favorite songs of all time. Vocalise by Rachmaninoff, arguably one of the most beautiful melodies ever written. Please enjoy. Why, I know the answer to this question, but I want you to articulate it. Um, Why does singing matter? Why does does it matter?
2: Well, if you just think about the voice and how powerful your voice is. And I mean, when you even got on the microphone and you said, hello, I learned (laughs) so much from you. I was like, wow, (laughs) you can hear in everybody's voice. You can hear so much. And so much. So it's very, I mean, I think you also hear it through an instrument, but um, the voice has so much personality data in there as well. If you think about how voice, uh, a lullaby calms a baby, or if you think about how, you know, singing the song, the Aria to the Moon, Risalka's Aria to the Moon, how it shows our humanity's best ambitions and best dreams. Garrison Keeler called singing the highest form of discourse. I like that.
0: <laughs> I like that too.
2: We'd all be better off if we just sang to each other.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> so there are so many ways that you can use your voice for good, put your voice to good use. And also spiritually, there's a vibration that you feel. And that you feel in the room when you sing together with people or when you play mm-hmm. any music together with yeah. people, you feel the vibration through your whole instrument. And that sort of a vibration puts you on a different level as well. Not only does it release endorphins and all that kind of stuff inside your, inside you, make you feel good inside your body, right? but, but
0: right. it's
2: also really good for the world and for plants and for the atmosphere. And, <sighs> you know, yeah, There's I could go on a long time about this.
0: no it's great i i love that i i agree that music music matters and singing matters and i one of my my deepest longings is that parents would sing with their children more because i know that it's um it's a very vital i would say a really vital skill to be able to Match pitch and sing, and it's something that can happen, I think, fairly easily in when you, before the age of like seven or eight, and then after that, uh, it's it's much harder. I my own experience teaching in the Bay Area, I taught in two two separate cities that were couldn't be far different: Hayward, California, and Palo Alto, California. And in Palo Alto, every kid starting in grade school was required to sing. And all those kids could match pitch and could sing simple melodies and their ears were just vastly more developed than the kids in Hayward who weren't required to sing and only picked up a, an instrument or started thinking about music and like this, when they were 10 or 11 or maybe even 12, 12 years old. So I, I I think about the, again going back to what I said earlier about the olden days or whatever when people just sang and it was part of our our family structure, part of our community structure, and I, I really wish that we could we could get back to that and just like it's not just for musicians, singing is for everybody.
2: Yeah, yeah. They have that that ad on TV like what's it like read, sing, and play with your children or something like that. And I think that's a really great campaign to give people. But I also think maybe that another thing has been put in the way and that is uh, the recordings that we have are so perfect. Yeah. People don't record live that much, you know, and like when Dave Matthews records live, they're like, you're out of tune -er." or that kind of thing we there's there's too high of a standard and yeah. and even when people do karaoke you know that's a just a different kind of experience than just humming a lullaby before bed and, um, mm. and i agree with you that i think that we all will be better if we sing and like there are so many people like eh, i don't sing like i don't dance i'm like well, how embarrassing
1: you
2: know <laughs> Everybody should dance. The thing is that we don't, we think we have to dance well, we have to do well and um, we don't, we just have to sing. We have to let it out and be as, you know, silly and crazy as we can.
0: Right. I agree. And for me, I mean, I still sing uh, mostly just around the house. Um, I did sing, I sang in an organized choir. What, I don't know it was about five, five or six years ago when I moved back to Southern Oregon and my, um, I had a really great choir teacher and he was running a community choir here and he asked me to come sing. And I, I, he's just one of those people that I would never say no to, you know, but then he retired. So I haven't in a formal way sang, but I still sing all the time. And also I feel like I sing through my saxophone. Mm -hmm. Like that's, it's, my voice comes through uh, and that's something I admire about that I listen for in other instrumentalists is, can I hear their voice yeah. as they're singing? So I think our voices are so important and key. Um,
2: yeah. I'd like to ask everybody who's listening to just hum, hum a tune. Yeah. A tune hum <laughs> just hum to yourself. That's very <laughs>
0: The start with humming i love it um so what what are you um do you are you a regular consumer of music do you listen to a lot of music yes. yeah and <laughs> what are you what are you listening to these days i'm curious
2: oh yeah you i love the way you say that like a true musician what are you listening to these days yeah i do stages <laughs> right i i go through artists as well like i really to mm-hmm. everything and what artist and <laughs> then I move on to another right. artist and then sometimes I go back to the old ones but um, I have two new bands that I'm listening to right now <laughs> oh,
1: awesome. a group
2: called Raining Jane and okay. it's an all female group and they're kind of somewhat connected with Jason Mraz so I've been listening to more singer-songwriters and so I listened to Jason Mraz and then was introduced to Raining Jane and I love Raining Jane and then I got to see them perform a little bit. And I'm like, wow, they are really awesome. So I love them. And Sarah Borales is one of my favorite composers and performers. I like her unplugged mm-hmm. album where it's just her in this little bar with a whole bunch of people singing with her. And like the <laughs> audience singing along to everything. I love those unplugged ones Ooh. that are not highly produced. Yeah. And um, yeah. there's a group called um, Steampunk Giraffes. That, mm-hmm. um, I asked my students to introduce me to things. And one of the students <laughs> introduced me to that. And so I just played Steampunk Giraffe for my little kid friends. I've got a eight year old goddaughter, and I played that for her. And then, um, also Pan Theater Company, which is another student introduced me to that. And, um, it's just really interesting kind of sounds that they put together. Um, Mm. i really love listening to um to yo yo ma's songs of comfort these days did you see it?
0: Mm.
2: he's mm-hmm. doing those songs of comfort and they're just beautiful and the cello just makes me like melt somehow
0: yeah yeah <laughs> i do not know wow. what you mean
1: so beautiful
2: um, Yeah. let's see uh um yeah, like at certain times of day, I listen to different things. I listen to Ava Cassidy at night sometimes, getting ready for bed or reading in my little sure. or whatever, or James Taylor.
0: I listen to the
2: old ones. And, yeah. Um, so I listen to a lot of non-classical music, but then I go through a lot of um, classical stages too. Just I'm off classical right at this moment. Uh, I was listening a lot to Bach B Minor Mass mm. because I had that gig. that was coming up before covid and it got canceled
1: <laughs> <laughs> and
2: so i was listening to it a lot and and kind of falling in love with it because it wasn't my favorite bach piece
1: before mm.
2: and um so i i now i'm feeling it
1: <laughs> yeah
2: and um yeah that's that's kind of my oh i had this playlist called happy Make okay. For myself, and it has all sorts of happy songs in it <laughs>
0: Is this on, are you like on Spotify? What do you, what do you like to No, I don't use?
2: stream because I feel so angry at my, my two <laughs> CDs that, you know how much you get for a stream on Spotify? Have you, have you seen this? So like.
0: Oh, it's like nothing. Yeah,
2: zero, zero, six cents <laughs> for every yeah. stream. And so to get $50 put into my account for my two CDs takes over a year for $50. And I'm streaming on everything. So, okay. like, okay. So, no, I buy albums <laughs> and then oh, hey, nice. put together my own playlists.
0: <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> what is uh? So, you, are you writing? You're doing some writing, right? Some singer. You're like singer songwriter. These days, I'm brand
2: <laughs> new at that. So, you know, have I'm. A, I'm generally just. I'm a very experienced opera singer and classical singer. I'm a very inexperienced singer songwriter. Um, I'm learning. I'm learning and enjoying co-writing with friends right now.
0: Right. When you write, is it, um, do you write the music first or the lyrics first or does it just depend?
2: Uh, It, it, things come to me like little bits of things come to me on walks. And sometimes they come together as just as a melody. And like, there's one, I was walking along and it goes, and I said, I want to tell my story. But I don't want anyone to know. And so I was like, "Oh, that sounds nice." Let's so that was <laughs> my—that was the first line of the song, right? After right. that, I had to just create all the rest. You know.
0: Sure. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I love that's that. a nice
2: song. So I get inspiration, but then you put the perspiration into it later.
0: Right. Yeah. I totally relate to that. That's how I write too. Like I the. To like, I don't know what, how many days ago I was out riding my bike, and this melody just came out of nowhere. And I stopped, took out my phone, <laughs> and I just made a video because I was like, "How do I record audio? I did not even know how to record audio on my phone." I'm like, "Well, screw it. I'm just gonna make a video of me singing this melody, so I have it somewhere." Thank so, God, and
2: I do mine on Voice Memo on my iPhone, so. I stop or like I'll wake up in the morning with one. I had this really croaky voice. I'm like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get there, you know, and then I can write it down. So.
0: Right. Right. That's cool. Um, what's inspiring you these days?
1: Um,
2: well, in a word, light. Um, hmm. I have been looking as I go on my walks, This is all we can do now is go on walks. I've been doing this exercise of looking for light and watching it move. Mm. And then when I, when I'm at home um, I also have a meditation practice. So I meditate and then I look inside me for light.
1: Mm. And so
2: I've been trying to go with this, like seeing how it moves And how it flows. If the light inside me is anything like the light outside. Or if I can try to put my light outside. (laughs) That sounds very very, Mm -hmm. scary. But that's inspiring me. And um, um, poetry is always inspiring. I've been reading a lot of Hafiz. Oh, nice. And I really love that. And then the other thing is trees. So I just read this book called uh, The Overstory by powers uh-huh. It was for my book club. And, um, <laughs> and it's all about trees, and I'm a big tree fan anyway. And so I've been kind of connecting the light with the trees and seeing how nature kind of talks to it. Like in the hidden life of trees, they're they're talking to each other. And somebody just sent me an opera libretto about trees.
1: Wow. So I'm like,
2: am I supposed to write the music for this, or should I find somebody who will write the music for this? you know and i supposed to produce it i don't know but yeah that's those are kind of the things that are inspiring me right now kids always inspire me i have, to have children <laughs> as much as
0: awesome. that's awesome <laughs> um yeah what did i want to say oh i was i got distracted a little bit because i was thinking so you wrote your book in 2015 and it's, it's, we're five years later. You think about like uh, version two or updating it since, since then? I mean, we're not that far into the 21st century, but it almost feels like we're in another time. Yeah,
2: totally. <laughs> and everything's changed. I mean, if you look at the, 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 platforms that were available in 2015, some of them don't exist anymore. And the new platforms that, are here now weren't even a glimmer in anybody's eye in 2015. And so like that in that way, I really want to write an updated thing. The other thing is that people told me when they read the book that this could be for anybody that doesn't have to be singers that really anybody doing anything. It doesn't even have to be a musician, (laughs) you know, just kind of a creative way to look at what you're doing and how you can be of of service and of help in the world with what you, what, Mm. what gifts you have. Um, so I was thinking about, about, I, I don't know yet because my editor just resigned and there's a new editor now, so (laughs) I'd have to talk with him. I don't know him, (laughs) but, um, but I would like to, to do a generalized book that's updated with technology, like maybe the 21st century artist or something.
0: Sure. You could be like Tim Ferriss with the five hour. You could be the 21st century. Yeah. All your books would be 21st century. This 21st century, yeah, that That'd exactly. That would be cool. <laughs> be cool. Um, uh, if you could sit down and have a conversation with that that young Susan, just out of grad's, you know, just out of either. I don't know. I'm thinking about the time when you started that. Your, your Carnegie Opera Theater. Like if you could sit down and have a conversation with her, what what would you want to say to her? What would you want to tell her?
2: You know, um, that's yeah, I would like to sit down with her. By the way, another <laughs> <laughs> you know, <if> <laughs> The other one is that my Achilles heel is lack of confidence, and mm. that I. I can be brave and I can get through something, but that deep feeling of confidence hasn't come until now in my life. And I wish she could have gotten it a lot earlier. And I think the decisions she would have made would have been different. Mm.
1: You know,
2: I think I might've started writing songs a lot earlier and gone more that direction than opera.
1: And, Mm.
2: um, and, you know, I started the opera company, not just for me, but also for my friends. And that was a lot of work for not very much music. (laughs) A lot of times throughout my life, I made the safe decision. Teach at the university, start this company. The safe safe thing that takes a lot of work to do, that is non-musical work. And yeah. I wish I would have. Um, I I've, luckily I've had lots of great musical experiences too. I'm not in any way rejected, sure. but I think I could have had more. Um, I could yeah. have swum happily in the ocean of music sooner. I love you know, a that. More, a little more confident.
0: Cool. Um, what's coming up for you? What's? I mean, I know like live performances are kind of on hold but what's what's um what's on your plate in the next few months
2: um well i have a real i have a great uh, project that i'm doing with a colleague of mine in north carolina and it's called her pieces live and so mm-hmm. it's continuing with my women in music um theme from my life and she also has mm-hmm. She's a pianist and um so we're making modules for uh, girls' high schools and also for university songlit classes. Um, on just we, we're taking one song by a by a female composer, performing it, and then we're putting it in 21st century context. Um, you know, what would she be like today, or what would she be doing today? Um, how would? Uh, today's knowledge affect how she did things then and and everything is specific to that particular person in that particular song so that's really exciting that's one of the reasons i have to get going on sound jack
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: recording real good recording done but that's yeah. one of the the projects that i have coming up um the bach b minor will be, come back when we get back and um and i've been doing these cuddle concerts Mm. For ages uh, zero to three years old. Oh, fun! Concerts for children, classical concerts. <laughs> there's so much fun. There's a, bu- a brilliant woman who who organizes these, and I'm the MC and the singer. But then there's usually um, you know a violin and a cello and a piano or something, and uh, we yeah. perform together and uh, we do it on themes. And I think it's really important for all of us. And the parents have to sing and the kids have to sing. And those are really fun. So I have that project. Okay. And then um, I have uh, the 21st Century Singer is going to be doing um, I'm doing sessions, also modules, creating a lot of content for online. Um, and these are for uh, the modules for uh, 21st Century Singers. So going out into the world and making a living and serving and you know, all the like from my book and then i have one more project with my high school choir director that i was telling Mm. and this one is going to be a home practice of singing and that is we're composing songs but not none of them are in major or minor mode they're all in a church mode or in a indian raga or something and then we're teaching singing lessons um for a home practice online so lots of projects lots of exciting projects
0: that's awesome. That's awesome. And where can people uh, find out more about you? Like, where are you on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube? Where Where are I'll Susan? Hanging out?
2: Yeah, you can either find me at Susan Mohini Kane or um, the Twenty First Century Singer, and that's the Two One Century Singer. <laughs> <laughs> so don't write out the words. the 21stcenturysinger.com. That's my website, and it's going to be updated um, a lot in the next few months. But yeah, you can find me there or on Facebook or on Instagram or on LinkedIn or on YouTube. I do have some YouTube uh, little talks, but I also have some YouTube performances on
0: there. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Uh yeah. Well, it's been great talking with you, yeah. Susan. It's been great catching up and seeing your smiling face, and just thanks for sharing. And um yeah, it's, it's been a. Steve, a, I
2: really thought you were going to talk just about music, and we talked about everything, and because <laughs> we're all everything, you know, we're one uh, thing. And I, I, I think uh, this is a beautiful podcast, and I'm so grateful and honored to be a part of it, and this time
0: thank you thank you one of my uh someone that listened to one of the first episodes told me he's like this isn't just for musicians this is like for everybody and I was like yeah it's the music is a platform but really what we talk about is is very you know applicable to just about everybody so I like the the story and the sharing and the connection and I'm appreciate you being so open and vulnerable. It's awesome. Thank
2: you. Thank you so much. I really appreciated being with you today.
0: (laughs) Awesome. All right, Susan. Hey there, it's Steve again. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Playful Musician. I hope you all are having a great summer in spite of COVID, in spite of everything that's going on. Hope you're finding ways to be playful. Hey, head on over to the website, theplayfulmusician.com. We're working hard to to update it and make it better than it's ever been. Check it out, theplayfulmusician.com. You can listen to all past episodes. You can see show notes and links to things talked about in these shows and uh, all kinds of other great stuff. Hope you have a great couple of weeks, and we'll see you back here real soon. Thanks so much.